Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Rohit Paranjpe, uh, the co-founder of Sugarbox, uh, which is a patented hyperlocal edge cloud-based uh, technology that is uh, building the backbone of internet by simply augmenting the current infrastructure. Uh, hi Rohit, welcome to ELI. Thank you so much Priya, pleasure to be here. Uh, I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Sure. Uh, I'm Rohit Paranjpe. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sugarbox Networks. Uh, essentially, we're building the backbone of the internet of the future, as we call it. Uh, and over the last decade or so, the cloud and CDNs, which are content distribution networks, have pretty much been the backbone of the internet that we know today. Uh, right? But two major shifts are happening. Uh, the first is people from all across the world are connecting to the internet, right? It's not just tier one, tier two uh, cities anymore. Uh, and all of these people are consuming more and more data, right? So that is fundamentally adding a lot of uh, sort of load on the internet, if I may put mm -hmm. that way. Uh, I mean, literally in, in the last 15 years, uh, the amount of data being transacted on the internet has grown 700 times, right? So that's the... That's the first big, big piece of evolution that is happening on the internet. Uh, the second big piece of evolution is with all the newer technologies that are coming in, right? So until now, it was just people like you and I uh, who were accessing the internet to be able to communicate with each other, to access data, so on and so forth. Mm. But now, probably over the next three to five years, the number of sensors in the world will far outweigh the number of people in the world, right? And when you talk about sensors, when you talk about IoT, when you talk about connected devices coming in, uh, there is two things that happen here. Uh, we as users use the internet three, four, five hours a day, but the sensors use the internet literally 24 by seven by 365, right? Mm. Uh, and we will actively send X number of requests, let's say in a minute, two minutes, five minutes when we are actively consuming, mm. but sensors are continuously sending and receiving information, right? And this adds another set of load. Uh, the third critical thing that happens with internet of things and connected devices coming in is literally when you and I are accessing, right? Let's say the internet goes off for a second, right? Okay. At max, what will happen is our video will buffer, hmm. right? There's no major challenge that is going to happen. Right. Uh, it's an experience loss. Uh, but when connected systems are put into place, literally there might be a heat sensor in a factory if this loses connectivity, even for a, for a split second, it actually might involve a fire, risk, hazard, so on and so forth, right? So the criticality of connectivity becomes super, super important. Okay. Uh, and which is where in this you know, world that is evolving uh, and internet technologies, as well as the utilization of the internet evolving, uh, it requires a fundamental shift in how the internet backbone functions. Uh, and that is really the core problem that, that we work on solving. Uh, obviously, it's an ecosystem-wide shift, uh, and okay. we are just one of the stakeholders in it uh, that is actually driving that change. Okay. A uh, little more deep down uh, on that. Uh, what is uh, what is hyperlocal edge uh, cloud? Absolutely. So, so before I go to the hyperlocal edge cloud, right, I think I'll start from the cloud and then come lower yeah, and sure. lower, which is really where we come to. Uh, so basically the concept of the cloud was very simple, right? The concept of the cloud was uh, we all earlier were required to purchase servers, 
right and when i say server literally a phone is a server a computer is a server uh, so basically something that will have some sort of a processing power some sort of a storage capacity mm. right uh, and what that meant is when corporations had to process large volumes of data uh it required people to invest crores and crores of rupees up front to purchase these servers then put them in the, inside a data center have a full fledged team to manage this infrastructure so on and so forth right uh what a cloud did is a cloud said hey i can actually as as a business set up this infrastructure myself and mm. then lease very small portions of it to everybody right so that it becomes accessible to everyone so that is where the cloud as an industry started and the concept of the cloud was one entity that puts these lots and lots of compute and storage resources all over the world and expose it out to anybody who wants it literally on a rental basis right uh, the second key thing that happened in this industry is something called as a content distribution network or a cdn mm. right the logic of a cdn is very simple it's the digital equivalent of a distribution system that is built even the physical in the physical world right okay. so today if you look at the physical world uh, and let's take an example of an e-commerce company right mm. an e-commerce company does not deliver goods to everybody around india from one central warehouse right they have central warehouses then they have regional warehouses then they have city level warehouses now they literally have area level warehouses mm. right the reason for having these warehouses is because you can deliver things faster you can distribute the load from one point and multi- across multiple points one and so forth right uh similarly on the internet cdns are the digital warehouses right they they do the exact same thing and their evolution has been very very similar to the physical distribution aspect as well right so we they started out from uh, nationwide caches and then mm-hmm. from nationwide moved to regional from regional moved to state cities and today in very very large cities like bombay bangalore delhi you literally have cdn distribution nodes that are at a, at an area level inside these cities okay right? so the second big thing that happened is is cdns came into the picture and sort of helped with the distribution now what is happening is with the amount of data that is being transacted on the internet right uh, the cloud is now moving towards something called as an edge cloud mm-hmm. and the edge cloud is nothing but the the first version of the cloud was let's build mammoth data centers with lots and lots of resources in one place mm. now those one single cloud cloud data centers are are starting to act as bottlenecks and so the concept of edge cloud is hey let's take this cloud break it into smaller pieces and put it closer to the user right <laughs> the benefit of putting it closer to the user is multifold uh the benefit of putting it closer to the user is you are utilizing lesser number of hops on the internet mm. right so lesser lesser exposure of the internet the second is the closer the server is to the user the response times are far better Correct. right and so our end user experience is is much better uh the third is because of distribution you are also able to distribute peak load right so today mm. what happens is on a normal basis our internet may work fine but mm. the moment at at 9 pm when everybody is connecting to the internet the speed goes down mm. right of or let's say if there is an ipl match going on where everyone is going to consume video your internet starts struggling right uh, and so by distribution you are able to distribute these loads as well uh so the world is now in this decade going to move towards the edge cloud right how do you break up data centers into smaller pieces put them closer to the user uh and on this front uh, actually we are uh, very very unique in what we do so the the technology that we really invented and patented uh is something called as an hyperlocal edge cloud and what i mean by a hyperlocal edge cloud is literally a very very tiny fragment of the cloud 
that can be installed inside a user's network itself right and what i mean by a user's network is let's say the wifi inside our home or the wifi inside our building complex uh, inside our office inside a hotel inside a mall inside an airport any mm. place where we are already uh, where consumers are already present and consumers mm. are consuming data we can actually have a tiny fragment of the cloud installed right there okay. uh, the best part that now happens is when we are able to do this even mm. if your internet connection at the back goes off or your internet connection at the back is not stable enough mm. or let's say you are in a place where coverage is not good enough or you are in a place like an airport wherein mm. coverage is okay but there are 30000 people that are congregating in one particular place right and so mm. the existing infrastructure can't support it because of the concentration uh, we are actually able to solve all of these problems uh, by by putting this technology inside the user network itself okay So, yeah. so that is that is basically what we do if you look at it from a core problem perspective right and i think that is where uh, it sort of starts making a lot more sense sure uh, i'll divide the world into into three parts right the first part is something that is called as well served right well served mm-hmm. is all of us the top 300 million people in india most of the times we have decent internet access right be it via mm-hmm. our wifi connections be it via our lte connections but here what is happening is our appetite is growing Right? and not just appetite in terms of the amount of data that we consume or the amount of hours that we consume but mm. even the quality of data that we want to consume right earlier we were consuming 720p content now we want to consume 1080p content in a year or so you would want to consume 4k content mm. right and what it does is the moment you go from 720p to 1080p the amount of data that is consumed by you for the same one hour of content that you're watching literally becomes four times more mm. and the moment you move from 1080p to 4k it literally becomes 16 times more right and that's the the exponential effect that happens on the internet uh, so by putting fragments of the cloud inside user networks we are actually able to increase the capacity of the internet by up to 50 times right so that is where we say building the backbone of the future because the current system if everyone started uh, let's say streaming data in in 1080p or even in 4k right the current infrastructure won't be able to support it which is where if you remember uh, you know right at the start of the first lockdown last year uh, mm-hmm. the telecom authority of india actually released the uh, you know a mandate to all the ott providers mm-hmm. saying disable hd content on your platform right okay. because everyone all of a sudden was at home everyone was trying to consume hd content on their on their devices and mm. that was causing a really really uh, bad pressure and bottleneck on the internet uh, right so that is basically the reality of where we are in the well served space uh, and that is the problem that sugarbox is trying to solve in the well served space uh, similarly if you now move from the well served to the underserved where networks don't reach reliably mm. or go down to the unserved where people are not connected at all Right mm. by putting uh, these fragments of the cloud inside public Wi-Fi networks, we we are actually able to make public Wi-Fi as a concept sustainable, uh, enable free access to people for essential digital services, make make services function seamlessly even when networks aren't seamless. Right. So let's take an example of public transport. Okay. Today, when we let's say travel on a train or inside a metro, our network keeps flipping. Right, and right. that is why, let's say, if you want to stream an IPL match uh, while we are there, or if we want to watch HD content while we are in the train, it becomes very difficult, right? Because the network right. goes off, it keeps buffering. Yep. Uh, even if you are trying to make a call, our calls drop, so on and so forth. 
right? So again, by putting an edge cloud node inside the tree in itself, we are able to solve this problem at least for 60, 70% of user consumption, uh, mm -hmm. wherein experience will be seamless. Even if the connectivity goes off for about two minutes, three minutes, it doesn't matter. Your video will keep playing seamlessly. Uh, and similarly, right down in, in you know, absolute, let's say the, the rural areas where internet hasn't reached at all, or if we talk about aircraft where internet hasn't reached at all, we mm -hmm. are actually able to deploy this technology and make at least certain services work, right? So when we go to rural, we make services like government services, financial services, education, healthcare, telemedicine, et cetera, et cetera, which are the essential uh, you know, services that anybody irrespective of who or where they are should have access to, right? So that is what we are able to work there. Uh, if you go inside aircraft, we're able to make your existing OTT platforms, your existing e-commerce platforms, your existing payment platforms, work inside an aircraft even when connectivity is not available. So these are all of the problems that we try to solve across the well-served to be unserved. Okay. Uh, from technology standpoint, I think this is superb, uh, but I'd be, I'm very curious to know the business side of it, how the venture has evolved over the years, especially how it all started and who were the first few customers who tried your product? Obviously. So from a business perspective, it actually has been a really, really big evolution, right? Uh, because we are literally, I mean, see what happens on the internet side is uh, you may create great technology, hmm. right? But the internet is such a vast ecosystem that until everybody buys into that technology and everybody sort of benefits from that technology, hmm. it is going to be very difficult to deliver it to the internet, right? Because for the internet to work fine for a user, you need the infrastructure guys to collaborate with you. You need the internet service providers to collaborate with you. You need the cloud companies to collaborate with you, the content distribution companies to collaborate with you. Mm. It's a really, really large ecosystem at the back. Mm. Uh, and so what has really happened is we've been able to work out a model uh, mm. that benefits the user, that benefits the digital services, and that benefits the networks as well. Right, And I think that has been our largest sort of uh, development that has happened over the last two to three years to figure out this model where everyone benefits, right? And as an ecosystem, we can collaborate together to make the internet better. Uh, so that has been the first key part. Uh, but from an evolution perspective, we literally started by going right down to the consumer, right? So okay. we identified places where consumers were struggling the most with connectivity, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it was a combination of public transport. It was a combination of villages. It was a combination of, uh, you know, areas of high concentration like malls uh, and airports uh, and then certain uh, you know specific sort of establishments like hospitals and educational institutes uh, because of the way they are constructed or because they are spread out right the mm. network coverage is always a problem so these are the these are the sort of clear opportunities that we identified to start with uh, and we started working with these establishments uh, to figure out how can we deploy this technology? How can we solve problems for their consumers as well as for them, right? Because they also have their internal systems that need to run, uh, that require connectivity, so on and so forth. Uh, so that is what we did on the network side. Mm. And then alternatively on the app side, uh, again, what happened is the biggest brunt of the internet is faced by the video players. Right, mm. because video requires the most amount of bandwidth. Right. Uh, so that is where we found Z5 as an index customer. We started working with Z5 very early in the day uh, and worked very closely with them to figure out how can we make their experience better? 
how can we figure out ways in which people will be able to access video content and ott even in places where connectivity doesn't exist right how mm-hmm. does an ott platform reach the next 500 million people in india so on and so forth uh, so that is ott was was one major foray for us uh, the second key part that comes in is payments right mm-hmm. uh, finally you may activate a service but you need to enable payments and if payments can't work there is no way to monetize it Right. Uh, so that is where we started working with wallet and die now pay later so prepaid and postpaid wallet guys uh, to figure out how can we make existing wallets operate in places where connectivity doesn't exist or where connectivity goes off for a moment right today what happens is when you're trying to process a transaction even if for a split second your connectivity goes off the transaction fails right so how do we basically create a a mechanism where payments can succeed uh the third key part was coming to digital education right you know, especially in the last couple of years with covid uh, that is a real problem that happened uh, and although a lot of digital edtech players came into the picture the biggest problem was for the grassroots access was a big problem right they didn't have connectivity i mean there are enough and more uh, sort of reports that have been released over the last couple of years uh, to say that probably about 40 to 45% of students uh, to whom digital education has been offered by the school or by the educational institute can't actually leverage it because they don't have reliable internet access right uh, so this is where we got into a very interesting model started working with the ngos and the csr ecosystem in the country uh, to sort of bridge the gap we also tried to collaborate with device manufacturers because one big problem also was that even if we gave them access uh, they didn't have a device to access it on right so we had to sort of bridge that gap as well uh, so yeah so this is basically everything that has been happening on the digital ecosystem side uh, and now after these three key things the next piece that we're moving to is commerce right how do we solve for commerce uh, in places where people are captive in places where people have time be it inside an aircraft or in a train or mm. inside a village right because rural commerce is literally going to be a, a shift or a turning point for the for the digital economy in india Hmm. and we sort of want to pioneer that uh, in terms of a delivery perspective okay very interesting uh, can you also tell us uh, what are the different challenges that you have faced so far while building and growing well, of course uh, i think we face challenges all the time and what we do is uh, is is so unique uh, that literally everything from an operating system release right to uh, so everything that happens in the industry uh it, it continues to be a big challenge for us uh because what we are trying to so, so literally right at a fundamental level uh what we are trying to tell all digital services is that even if the internet is unavailable or even if the internet is unreliable mm-hmm. or even if the internet is slow we can make your application work seamlessly right as if everything was just working perfectly fine uh but the way the applications are built are not built like this right all applications are built under a fundamental assumption that the application is supposed to work only when internet connectivity is available mm-hmm. right and and that is where it's a huge sort of mind shift that needs to happen across the board uh to be able to make this function uh the second key piece uh, or a second key challenge uh that happens for a newer technology like this right is until there is critical mass of platforms that are supported today what happens for a consumer is when a consumer connects to wifi a consumer expects that everything on the internet will work 
right but we are not an internet service provider we are a cloud provider mm. and so as a cloud provider we can literally only support the services that are integrated with our cloud right uh, and so it is very difficult to, to sort of make this uh, translate this down to the consumer saying hey this is a very different kind of wifi this is not a wifi where you will get access to the whole internet this is where you will get access to only these 10 platforms that are integrated today and we have x number of platforms that are coming up coming to to this particular stack next month and the month after that and the month after that so so these are the two major challenges that we have that we have always sort of uh, dealt with uh, both from a consumer side and an ecosystem side okay uh speaking of the finances uh, can you tell us uh, how did you fund the operations so far at least till the time uh, you reached profitability sure so uh, today we are not profitable and when i say we are not profitable we are not profitable at a at a unit uh, ebitda level right so we are burning money today uh, luckily for us we are actually able to raise money very early in the day and our first investor itself sort of doubled down with an additional investment in 2020 right especially mm-hmm. when covid hit uh, everyone was sort of struggling with respect to what's going to happen uh, so that was really really encouraging for us uh, and i think that has been a good part so we've been well funded literally about 8 months from the time we started the company mm-hmm. uh, and that has really helped us to sort of just focus on uh, see what happens right is core technology development and core technology evolution right is something that can't happen overnight right, right? you need to invest significant amount of resources uh, i mean let's look at the cloud right the cloud from the time it was conceptualized to the time it became mainstream mm. took close to about 12 years right right and i wouldn't say that it took 12 years to build that technology but it took 12 years to stabilize that technology to reach mass adoption right mm. Uh, obviously things move much faster now than it used to 15 16 years back uh, but still you're talking about a, a 6 to 8 year period right and that mm. requires a lot of money that requires a lot of commitment from investors who might not see immediate traction correct right and i think that is where we've been very lucky to have investors that have supported us through this journey any pivots uh, that you have done to the business model Oh absolutely i mean i think the largest pivot was to so when we started out in 2016 right mm. uh, the problem that we are trying to solve literally was there is there are people who don't have reliable internet access right mm. uh, and they want to consume video on their phone video requires a lot of bandwidth how mm. will they ever be able to do it right uh, mm. and that is the core problem that we wanted to solve and in 2016 when we actually started the company uh, mm-hmm. what we had in mind was literally i mean if you've traveled in a vistara aircraft or a jet airways aircraft right you have this box that is installed you have a local wifi there is some content put on it that you mm-hmm. can stream uh, right and in 2016 when we started the company our ideology literally was can we take that box can mm-hmm. we make it scalable so that it can be actually like it can be installed in places where it matters right can we install it in trains can we install it in buses can we install it in public places can we install it in villages because that is where people really struggle with connectivity mm. uh, so that is where we really started but over the last 4 years the technology evolved we evolved as a platform we sort of became a nh cloud platform 
uh, a lot of different things happened from a technology uh, sort of breakthrough perspective a lot of patents being granted to us so on and so forth really? uh, and those technology evolutions automatically shifted the business model right so earlier when we started it was supposed to be a very simple thing we're going to take content from someone sell it to consumers today we don't neither do we buy content neither do we sell content the business is not about content at all it's about all kinds of digital services mm-hmm. uh, we are literally exploring newer forms of uh, you know ar vr applications running on our stack uh, we are looking at smart apis and smart algorithms that can be consumed by other digital services to do something we're talking about an infrastructure as a service model where we have infrastructure deployed which other cloud platforms can leverage right uh, so that digital services don't really need to come to us independently every single time they can just go to an existing cloud provider and sugarbox will work as a as a part of an existing cloud stack itself mm. uh, so a lot of different sort of business model uh, changes i wouldn't call them pivots they're more evolution to the model than pivots from the model uh, but yes a lot of evolution has happened and this industry actually as a whole is evolving right uh, edge cloud as a concept is so new uh mm-hmm. that literally everybody around the world will talk about edge cloud but everybody around the world has a different flavor or a different perspective on what edge cloud means okay uh i have many more questions uh, but due to constraint of time i have i'll just ask two two more questions sure. can you can you tell us uh, what is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you how do you define the term entrepreneur sure so i think for me it very simply comes down to are you solving a problem that is affecting a lot of people gravely right and these are very very important sort of uh, words the first is is it a grave enough problem right because mm. if it's not a grave enough problem uh, maybe people will like it but maybe people will figure out other alternatives that may work far better right uh, the second again it comes a lot of people right are you solving a problem for 1000 10000 100000 people are you solving problems for millions to billions of people uh, again defines uh, what is the relevance of what you are trying to do right but i think the first part where i started from the most important thing as an entrepreneur is solve a problem if you are mm-hmm. not solving a problem uh, then you are not being an entrepreneur okay and uh, my final question uh, can you tell us uh... about the lessons that you have learned as an entrepreneur especially the interesting lessons that you have learned which we can take away and apply to our lives and our ventures sure i mean there are so many lessons it's it's so difficult to sort of you know generalize it in a lesson or two but i'll give you probably two or three critical yeah. aspects right uh, i think the first critical aspect comes down to people and i always say this the company is as good as the set of people uh, it doesn't matter how good a problem you are solving how well are you solving it if you don't have the right people you will struggle uh, so the first thing that comes down to is people right and and another thing that i've learned and again repetitive i'm sure a lot of people have said this but it's it's still absolutely relevant and true right uh, it doesn't matter how good the person is mm. what really matters is the fit right do you guys gel together as a team uh even if you don't have people who come from the best institutes the best experience the best companies but if you guys are able to complement each other uh, mm. and collectively sort of solve critical aspects of what is required for a business you mm. will actually have a far better chance to succeed 
than having people from great backgrounds coming together right so i think that has been one of the most important problems uh, and again in the same breath one thing that i've also learned is if it's more of a more of an art than a science right you mm. you don't know who's going to fit perfectly correct uh, and that is where when you realize that if something is not fitting it's best to be proactive about it uh, you know literally address the issue at hand mm. uh, talk to the person say hey these are the problems this is where we believe we don't fit and let's either make a make a make a way to bridge that gap and work together or mm. let's call it quits right i don't think a lot of people have tough enough conversations early enough and the more you delay this conversation you're wasting time for the venture which pretty much is like the lifeline of the venture right uh, time is the most critical as- asset in any venture mm. uh, so this is basically uh, a few very very critical learnings on the people front uh, on the business front again i will i will say it with with all my heart have fundamental values right mm. and what i mean by fundamental value is it doesn't matter whether you're profitable today or not right mm. but you need to have a very clear visibility of how will you ever make money right one thing that i've sort of struggled with a lot with indian entrepreneurs is they don't have an inkling of clue as to how will they ever make money right okay. uh, it and if that is what your business is going to be structured on then you need to have a very clear road to how will i raise my next round and my next round and my next round and your entire life is pretty much dependent on how are you going to raise your next round not how are you going to raise your uh, raise a company or build a business right uh, so one point that i would always have is it doesn't matter if you don't make money for the next 10 years but mm-hmm. have a very clear understanding of how will you make money and when will you make money uh, so i think that is one very very critical aspect uh, that i have sort of realized uh, the third thing that comes into the picture obviously is understand priorities right one thing that i have seen people struggle with a lot as entrepreneurs right uh, and you will talk you will see this being spoken too many times that as an entrepreneur you are the pun as well and the ceo as well right uh, and it's great to say that but at some point you need to start thinking through what are the top 10 20% of the things that my company needs right and you as a, as an entrepreneur or a ceo should actually start focusing only on that 10 to 20% uh but entrepreneurs don't realize enough is the more things that they get get themselves into mm. they are spreading themselves that much thinner mm-hmm. and you're not focusing on the top 20% problem that actually need your, your attention you're actually exhausting an energy on on the balance 80% uh so probably these are the three most representative lessons that i would want people to carry out uh well on this note i think we have come to the end of the session i would say it was a great pleasure to host you here at tl thanks for your time rohit and our best wishes for sugar box thank you so much priya it was absolutely a pleasure to be on this thank you so much